I've got the honor and opportunity and privilege of sharing the Word of God, and I'm so excited for it today. Um, I nearly didn't make it today. I left home, and I forgot about the marathon. And so I, I'm racing here, and, uh, and uh, the, there was a direction off the uh, bridge, and I had to go through the tunnel, so I ended up out, you know, south somewhere. But I enjoyed all the South Sydney flags, so that wasn't too bad. Um, yes, Rabbitohs, good on you for winning. Um, but yeah, look, I'm uh, just even on the way, just so grateful um, for being part of this church. So grateful that God's called me here, part of this community, and uh, God's called you to this community. So grateful for that, and uh, so grateful for every gift and every personality and everything that people bring to the church and to glorify God. And it's it's just what Ephesians four says that every every gift is there for the purpose of maturing the church, growing the church, growing in the faith and the knowledge of God. And uh, I'm just so honored that we can discover the mission, the purpose of His church for our local church body and our community um, of loving God and loving people. And uh, this year our theme has been about loving people. And uh, we've walked on a journey of understanding what loving people has been all about, not just from this pulpit, but... You know, we've, uh, in our, in our pantry, especially, uh, when we're dealing with community and people outside of, of, of the church, uh, we deal with all sorts of people. <laughs> you deal with all sorts of temperaments, all sorts of problems. And, uh, just the learning that we've had to take on and dependence on God of having to love people regardless of their responses to us, regardless of their behaviors towards us. And that journey and that training has been amazing because, you know, we know that the more stuff we go through, the more pain we go through, sometimes we, we've got to dig deeper. We've got to depend on Him. So it's such an amazing opportunity and I'm so grateful for what God's doing here. And, um, and, uh, the more we, we got to, we love people actually, the more we got to trust God and love God and depend on Him more. Um, and this journey has ultimately not been we thought, you know, I thought, personally, I thought, yeah, it's just going to be love people, loving people theme. But it's funny that it's done full circle because, you know, you can't really love people without the love of God. You can't really do that without having that flow of the love of God inside of you, overflowing through you, outside of you. And it's so beautiful to see how it all works and how God works. And I believe, we believe that God is growing His church, maturing His church, so that we can reveal his true character within our community. And uh, once again, I'm just so honored here uh, to be here and be part of this and what God's doing here. Um, so this morning, I want to read from the Gospel of Matthew, just a small section, but it reveals what makes a church a church and uh, what makes a church grow. And uh, so I, I want to encourage you through this message today, but before we, we get into it, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit here this morning. We thank you, God, that we've been able to worship you today in spirit and in truth. We thank you, Lord, that we're honoring you here this morning in, in everything that we do through the singing, through the word, through the fellowship. I pray that every mind and every heart is open to understand your word and I ask for your wisdom to help me share the truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
The printer is a, I normally get a single page, but uh, we got a new printer today. <laughs> so I'm going to give it a go. I like the old school paper. I might have to convert eventually, but, you know, I still like the, the old school, you know, grabbing onto the paper. As long as I don't need to write, I've got really bad handwriting <laughs> or a book, yeah. Um, so what makes a church a church? Is it the physical building? I don't know. Is it the numbers? Is that what makes the church a church? Is it the ministries? Is it the personal development courses and all the range of programs that are available? Is it all the different formulas available for church growth, church health? Is that what makes the church a church? Is it? I mean, some of these things are needed to facilitate the growth, but they're not what makes a church a church. And uh, we see it in Matthew 16, 13 to 19. Um, and uh, it's a famous story, but uh, read along with me. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, <laughs> he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus responded, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood do not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Pretty powerful scripture. And uh, there's so much in that, and I'm going to try to open up a little bit of it. Um, and Jesus said, basically, Jesus said that his church is built on the revealed truth that Jesus is God himself. That's all. That's what the church is built on, that Jesus is God himself, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God in human form, and all who choose to believe in him, us, the believers, we are the church. We form the church. And this is the first time that Jesus mentions it in Scripture about the church, and is clear on what marks a true church and really what makes a church grow and how the church is built. So when you're saying built, it's growing. When you build something, you grow something. And it's built on the revelation that Jesus is God himself. So this truth that Jesus is God himself in human form is confirmed throughout all of Scripture. And sometimes just to comprehend it in our mind, we need to trust in something. We need to trust in the Word over our own thinking because how do you, how, how does God you know, become this? How? But we need to trust in the Word. We need to trust in, in something and something beyond ourselves. And I'll take you through that shortly. But in John 1, 1.18 it says, No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who himself, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. Wow. Jesus revealed God. Man, that's just awe-inspiring. You know, that's the whole purpose of all four of the Gospels, to reveal Jesus being God himself. In, in John 20, 31, it says, uh, John the Apostle writes, but these are written, what, the Gospel, these Gospel, that Gospel in particular, is written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Powerful. Jesus in human form is the very foundation of our Christian faith. 
This week I was shocked to read that in a survey, it was done in America in 2020, um, that they found out that one third of Christians said that Jesus is a good teacher. He's not God himself. One third of Christians don't believe that Jesus is God. Crazy. I mean, we're not in America, but it's a reflection of where the Western culture and Western belief is taking or heading towards and going towards. And uh, it, it keeps moving away from truth in a pursuit to be relevant, in a pursuit to be, you know, conducive to the culture around us. We've all heard those magical words in church. In 2019, in Australia, a, a research done by the National Church Life Survey, it discovered that 26% of Australians believe Jesus was God in human form. So that's like 74% of people don't. 26% believe that Jesus was a prophet. 20% thought he, he was a normal human being. And this survey is, is done amongst churches. You know, and these stats, they're not surprising. If you think about it, it's a reflection of the focus of the modern-day churches trying to grow in numbers, trying to be so relevant, trying to be so attractive, making changes to accommodate society. I can rattle off a number of them, but I'm not going to right now. It's slowly moving away from the truth. These stats, they're a reflection of so many Christians who claim to be Christian, who go to church each week, but internally not really change the views of their life or their lifestyle. Knowing about Jesus doesn't change or make a person a true Christian. Seeing Jesus as a great teacher or a great prophet does not make a true Christian. It does not offer eternal life. And I'm preaching to the converted, but we've got to make it clear. And I'm, you know, I'm building something t- towards something, hopefully anyway. And this is what was happening in the crowds. The, the, the crowds were following Jesus. And Jesus said to the disciples, who, who did the crowd say that I am? And they're like, well, you know, you're a good teacher. Uh, you're, uh, you're John the Baptist or you're Elijah or Jeremiah. I, I mean, they, it just doesn't make sense because they saw Jesus healing the sick. They saw blind eyes being opened. They saw the dead being raised to life. They, they heard Jesus teaching, including the Sermon on the Mount. There was a whole range of, I mean, we're up to chapter 16, so there's a whole story behind of all of Jesus' accounts and the crowds following Jesus. I mean, he, he, he fed thousands, 4,000 people one occasion, 5,000 people on another occasion. I mean, not including women and children. He, they saw miracles. It didn't, it, they saw it. They saw him. They saw him in action. They saw, and they saw the proving God, God proving himself. But all they saw, it didn't even open their eyes. They were struggling with the truth to identify who Jesus really was. They just acknowledged him as a great teacher or a great prophet. But that understanding did not bring eternal life, as we know, history tells us. It doesn't open the spiritual eyes of a believer. It doesn't transform a person's mind or their lifestyle. It doesn't change. It's just a feel-good experience, a bit more knowledge. You know, when you go onto Google and you search all these things, just a little bit more knowledge. I know a whole lot of a lot of things, but a whole lot of nothing as well. You know, a bit of that. It's like, oh, that's nice, great information, but two seconds later, eh, whatever. Put the phone away, let's keep moving. Just a bit more information, no real benefit. And it's sort of like church sometimes. We come to church, we get blessed by the preaching, 
We experience amazing worship. But just knowing about Christ, just knowing about Him, just being moved emotionally, just moving with your mind or with your heart emotionally and feeling like there was change, it doesn't change or transform a person, right? We've all been there. I've been there. Put my hand up. Some are just in church because they're afraid of eternal hell, right? Some people don't want to go to hell. Okay, I'll just sit down there, you know. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm going to heaven. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Some people just feel bad for their sins. Some even, I mean, many of us repent. We even pray the sinner's prayer. We can confess with our mouths, but do we really believe with our heart? I used to be part of a church that said, you've got to fake it till you make it. You've got to fake it till you make it. So the church used to say, just go with it. Come here to the church. You will change. Eventually, you change. Well, it didn't work. Many fell away. And, uh, and it, it wasn't real. The truth was watered down. And the church needs to make clear that it's not built on structures or programs. The church needs to make it very clear that it's not built on experiences, self-help courses, or being relevant, or being a good Christian community, which we are, thank the Lord. (laughs) But the church needs to make it clear it's not built on an imagination of Jesus. The church needs to make it clear it's not built on a compromised Jesus, or a good teacher Jesus, or a watered-down version of Jesus, just to fit in and accommodate society. The church needs to make clear, and today we're making it very clear, the church is built on the foundational revelation that Jesus Christ is God himself, the Son of the living God. We don't need to apologize just to be trendy. (laughs) Jesus is the truth who will reveal all truth in our lives. Praise the Lord. Matthew 16, 16. Simon Peter said, he answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Do you know Caesarea Philippi? It was probably one of the most pagan areas of that time. And, he, you know, when you're surrounded with all the society and all the community and all the culture around you, sometimes you lose sight of, of where God is or who God is. He got revealed to him in a pagan country, in a pagan area, all unbelief, believing in other gods, selfish living. But it was revealed to him, even in that area, that that Christ is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's an encouragement for us because we can, even in the unbelieving society that we are in, still declare and not, not apologize for it. See, Peter saw the truth. Jesus, he saw Jesus as God himself. It was no longer about hearing the kingdom, or knowing about the kingdom, or learning about the kingdom. It was no longer just about a feel-good experience, seeing the power of God wherever Jesus went. It was not just about that. Peter was not, he wasn't even connected with his mind anymore. It wasn't just about his mind. He was connected. But Peter connected to the truth with his heart. He connected. He connected in an intimate, personal way. And the Holy Spirit was able to reveal to him the truth. Praise the Lord. That's so good. That's so encouraging for me. It was a divine revelation. A divine revelation. An internal awakening. God revealed it to him. It caused him to see Jesus as God himself. Do you know when it's internally real? 
Nobody can ever take that away from you. Matthew 16, 17, Jesus responded, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. The Holy Spirit revealed the truth to Peter. See, it's not about how much you know, how educated you are. It's not about how much training you've had throughout your church life and your church experience. It's not about the hours that you volunteered in the church. not about the programs that you were a part of. It's got nothing to do with that. It's not about the position you hold. Hey? It's not about knowing Jesus. It's all about knowing Him. It's all about knowing Him. It's not just knowing about Him. There are plenty of biblical scholars and theologians who are very educated and have veered away from the truth. It can't just be the truth. It can't just be knowing about the truth. It was a divine connection to Jesus. It was a divine connection to Jesus that revealed the truth to Peter as he opened his heart to Jesus, the Son of the living God. And it's a divine connection with Jesus that God will reveal himself to you. This truth being the beginning of all truths in our lives. This is the beginning. This is the foundation of all truth that will change us and transform us. Jesus said on this rock, on the foundation of the Spirit of God, revealing this truth, the church will be built. Matthew 16, 18. And I say to you that you are Peter. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower. The church, God's people, stand on this truth. We stand on the foundation of this truth. And we stand on this foundation of the truth, knowing and knowing the gates of hell cannot prevail. This truth about the knowledge of Christ is what Jesus is building his church on. This truth that Jesus is God is what grows and matures a church. It's, it begins a journey into all other truths in, in our lives. See, modern society looks for internal truths. I'm going to play with our minds a little bit now. It looks for internal truths, right? And I explain the dangers of that. See, the truth that somehow will be defined with whatever we think. You know, it's whatever I think. Whatever I feel is right. Whatever, whatever, whatever seems okay to me. You know, whatever, the truth can be whatever you want it to be, really. Right? And as Christians, we tweak this little pagan thing a little bit, right? We, we, we just tweak it just a little bit. We go, well, the Holy Spirit is inside of me. The Holy Spirit is inside of me. That means the truth is inside of me, right? How did that go? I can get my own revelation. I can trust in my own intuition. I can trust in my own decisions based on the truth that I know. I read the Word of God based on what I know, and I can be relevant to the world around me right now. I can be relevant. Well, it's the same thing as pagans, right? The truth can be what you want it to be, right? If we think like that. Many Christians, including Christian leaders, in modern-day churches are constantly looking for this updated, modern, special revelation from the Holy Spirit. 
It's like, we think we're going to get updated. We're going to get new revelation and being in step with the Spirit because we're under divine inspiration. And that means we're walking in the truth. We've heard that so many times, eh? Well, that's not the truth. I'll tell you what the truth is. It's actually a big deception that when you, when you start going, I'm going to trust in what God's already put inside of me. I'm going to trust in that. I'm going to trust in that. It's still trusting in self. It's easier to seek for these internal truths because it's much more convenient to blur the lines of the truth. You think about it. With our own desires, our own will, our own ideas, then we don't have to become accountable to the truth or the Word of God. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't validate our own intuition and your own imaginary experiences. I'm going somewhere, okay? The Holy Spirit doesn't validate your own voices. It doesn't validate your own impulses, which can sometimes be tied up with our own agenda, our own emotions, our own desires, and inevitably, inevitably lead us away from the truth. You see... The truth is not in you. The truth is outside of you. All right? Think about that for a second. See, (laughs) the Holy Spirit of truth is in you. It's a bit, okay? The Holy Spirit of truth is in you, but only leads you to Christ outside of you. It's very simple. It's very simple. A couple little tweaks. The Holy Spirit of truth is in you, but this Holy Spirit of truth leads you to the truth outside of you. God himself. That's what I'm talking about, right? I hope you're following me. (laughs) Maybe I'll break it down a little bit more. See, when you become a believer, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of your heart, right? That's the truth, right? The Holy Spirit of truth. Okay, I'm not denying any of that, right? So please. (laughs) He takes residence in your heart. But what he does is he makes the scripture, the external, inside of you come alive. That's what he does. See, there's dangers when we trust in the intuition sometimes, but sometimes it can be veering away from the external truth of God. All right? Praise the Lord. (laughs) That was a bit of a tough one. See, the Holy Spirit, let me say it like this. The Holy Spirit speaks when you hear the Scripture. That's pretty much it. The Scripture is understood when the Holy Spirit speaks. But modern-day Christianity has created this whole other world and whole other thing around it. That's what I'm trying to remove. I'm trying to place that the Holy Spirit is there to lead us and guide us into all truth. Because sometimes we can trust in ourselves, we can trust in our own agendas, but sometimes it can be mixed with selfish desires. And there is a danger of not walking in the truth. I have to get away from my notes because I think I muddled something up here. <laughs> the Spirit will lead you to Jesus. It's very hard talking about the Spirit, eh? Because there's so many, I can feel it, man. There's so many, you know, uh, 
different uh, understandings, interpretations, because we're, there's so many denominations. Some believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Some don't believe. They, dim- they dismiss the, you know, the fruits of the Spirit, not the fruits of the, um, uh, the, the works of the Spirit. And there's so many different things. And it's crazy. And you can feel it. But it's very simple. The Holy Spirit will not say anything outside of the truth of God's Word. The Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth of God's Word. Not your truth. Not what you think is true. Not what you believe is true. It will lead you to the truth of God's Word. And I'll change it again. The only time the Bible mentions that the truth is being in you, it's, it's only when you obey God. It's only when you obey the Word of God. Being one with the truth. But it can be really easily mistaken that if we're not obeying God, we're still one with the truth. I hope you're getting me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The truth is Jesus. The truth comes from the outside of us. But when you align yourself and you obey yourself to the truth, you become one with Jesus. First John 2, 4-6 says, The one who says, I've come to know him, and yet doesn't keep his commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word... Truly in Him, the love of God is made perfect. This is how we know we are in Him. The one who says he remains in Him should walk just as he walked. So the truth is only in you when you obey the Word of God. No other time. The Holy Spirit of truth is in you to lead you, counsel you, walk with you, guide you. But guess where He's going to take you? To God. Alright? Let's clean it all up. Let's clean it all up. The truth is displayed in our actions. See, when we become spiritual Christians, I don't know what you want to call it, which there is a lot. There is those that believe more in their intuition, those that believe more in their Spirit, then sometimes the word, it never displays the actions of God. It's always more about self. So you can be born again, spirit-filled Christian. You could have prayed the sinner's prayer, come to church, and participated in every program available. But if you do not obey the truth, the word of God is not in you. And you are not walking in the truth. And you are not walking with Jesus. So if we want to be in step with the Spirit, like we've heard before from other churches, here we've addressed it before, if you want to be in step with the Spirit, obey the Word of God. Obey the Word of God. Obey His truth in your life. Sometimes relying on our own intuition might seem more fresh, more dynamic, more relevant, more personal. Might even make us feel like we're cutting edge. But relying on this truth is very convenient. 
But we need to be honest. We need to be honest. It's not, if it's, if it's not tied in with Jesus and the word of truth, it will be tied up in our own desires and motives and agendas to suit our own selfish needs. And that will certainly veer you away from the truth. Talking about the truth, it's very hard to talk about the truth because you've got to bring the spirit in it. Bit of mucking around. Hopefully you got it. Hopefully you got it. Think about it, all right? Think about it. How many times do we blur the truth in our lives to feed our own selfish agendas? How many times do we create these gray little areas in our life to allow ourselves to keep doing what we're doing, to justify our selfishness? Oh, I only go drinking and partying just to save my friend. Really? Oh, I'm only in a moral relationship because I'm leading them to Christ. Really? Truth. See, many years ago, I mean, if you were here 15 years ago, some of you were, if you are here 15 years ago, um, just a bit over, when I started coming to church, not proud of it, but I was buying a lot of pirated DVDs. I don't know if you remember DVDs. I think we all do. We're all in that age. <laughs> um, but but um, before, obviously, if you don't know what that is, before a movie is out on DVD and they're out on cinema, you can go find somebody and get the black market, you know, DVD and, and watch it. I used to love it. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not proud of it. I used to love it though. <clears throat> and uh, as I pursued my own journey with the truth, I started feeling convicted. And I'm like, nah, yeah, I'm not doing nothing wrong, man. I, I mean, I, I'm not stealing it. I'm buying the stolen goods. I paid for it with my own money. Uh, right? It's, it's true, right? We blurred the lines of truth. I'm like, nah, nah, I, 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 I'm honest, man. I gave this guy money, you know? <laughs> and I'm just trying to give you that point. <laughs> and it's, it's, uh, uh, it's not stolen property. It's my property now. <laughs> but then I, I, the reason why I did it is because I liked doing that. I liked doing that. I would justify and say, well, yeah. It's all right. Everyone else, I mean, I know a lot of people that are doing it. People are talking about it. Man, even the guy in the church, uh, my, my Christian brother, he was saying, brother, if the Holy Spirit hasn't revealed it to you, if you don't feel convicted, then it's okay to do it. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, whoa, isn't that how far we've gone? I mean, 15 years later, I'm going, whoa. <laughs> but even though my selfish motives were strong, as I pursued the truth, the external truth, it was starting to align with my internal truth. And eventually I had to let it go to the detriment of my Christian brother. <laughs> he would continue to persuade me for a while to continue getting it. I knew the truth, and sometimes we know the truth. Sometimes we know the truth, but we find gray areas of the truth and justify the truth. But that is not the truth. Praise the Lord. I wonder how many things we gray out. I mean, as I was preparing, I'm thinking, God, show me every gray area. And I, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> See, sometimes we prefer not to know the truth. It's, it's, it's okay. It's, it's all right. right? <laughs> Every time we do that in our attitude? Sometimes externally. <laughs> but the mark of a person that's received Christ as their Lord and Savior 
has a desire for the truth, a love for the word. Salvation is not just about praying a prayer at the end of the service. It could be the start of it. It could be the start of your heart opening to God. But the mark of salvation is the desire to obey God, is the desire to obey His Word. Took a while to get there, but we got there in the end. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lord. The mark of salvation is admitting His truth and being accountable to the truth, to His truth, the external truth, which is what I was trying to get at before. Being obedient to Him, allowing Him to lead us in the truth, the external truth. Let me make a difference. I've just got to clarify because we got truth sometimes, hey. <laughs> being in step with the Spirit means being in step with the Word of Truth, leading us to Jesus Christ, the beginning of all truths. <laughs> Because his truth, only his truth, will truly set us free. That is the whole point. Because Jesus knows that we're full of our own internal truths. So it's like, hey, let me help you. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit, put it inside of you, so whenever you look to me, I'm going to lead you into my truth. Wow, what a good deal. Not only am I going to give you eternal salvation, but I'm going to put my spirit inside of you to help you locate me, locate the truth. So let's not use the spirit or other truths to justify our actions sometimes. Not anyone in this church, but I like to make it very clear, put everything on the table, because I'm talking to me too. <laughs> the truth will always set us free. The truth will always set us free from sin and bondages. The truth. Psalm 119, 9 to 11. And I, I read this whole psalm. I, I would love to read it, read it all to you. But there's so many parts about the truth. But I'll just read one, one section. How can a young man keep his way pure? Call it, how can a young man or a woman keep their way pure? By keeping your word. By keeping the truth. I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. How good is that? You ever wonder how to stop doing what you're doing sometimes? You ever wonder the trap that you can feel like you're in sometimes that you know is not right? Things that you're saying, things that you're doing. Hey, the truth, the truth will keep you pure. When we admit Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are accountable to His truth. You will turn away from your selfish lifestyle to seek the truth, the whole truth. I'm speaking to a mature church. You will turn from your, from your own selfish agendas when you seek the truth. You will turn to Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Those who seek the truth will find the truth and will find life. Praise the Lord. Nearly there. A little bit further down in First John chapter 2, John says that if you obey the truth and remain in the truth, 
then you remain with the Son and the Father. First John 2, 4, 2, 24. What you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you'll remain in the Son and in the Father. See, when you open your heart to our Lord and Savior, we open our hearts to the truth. And it is our responsibility to continue to search that truth and seek out that truth. We're never going to have it all together. 15 years of Christianity, personally, maybe a 20 years, 30 years, 40, I don't know. But hey, we're humans. We're never going to have it all together. We need to continually have that attitude of seeking out the truth, seeking out His truth, seeking out because we want to remain in Him. Those that desire to be with Him and remain in Him need to search and seek out the truth. And the Holy Spirit, those that have the Holy Spirit inside of them, will give you the desire to seek out the truth, to have a love for Christ, to have a hatred for sin, and a faith and a trust in the fullness, sufficiency, completeness of the truth of the Word of God. The mark of a Christian who has received Christ as their Lord and Savior is a love for the Word, a love for the truth, a desire to reflect God in all their actions and all their lifestyles. The mark of a genuine growing church is not necessarily in the numbers or the programs or its elaborate strategies. The mark of a genuine church is one that acknowledges Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is God Himself, is one that acknowledges His truth as the absolute truth over any other truth, including our own internal truth, The mark of a genuine church is one that worships the Lord in spirit and in truth, displaying the truth in all their ways, loving God in truth, loving people in truth. Praise the Lord. That's the church that is looking for. And you can make a personal decision right now for yourself. You can decide to turn to Jesus right now. Turn away from that truth. Oh, sorry, this truth. Turn away from, wrong hand, wrong way. Turn away from this truth. Turn away from that internal truth. Okay? Okay, Holy Spirit is the truth inside of you, but He's going to lead you to this truth. Let's not be deceived. He's going to lead us. Decide right now. Turn to Him. Turn to Jesus. Maybe you've compromised Jesus somewhere along the lines. I'm sure we would have had at least one. Maybe you are somewhere. Maybe you're afraid to turn to the real truth. Maybe you're afraid to even deal with the real truth. But hey, the Holy Spirit comforts us. He guides us. And sometimes we need to go through a little bit of pain to grow, mature. You don't need to be afraid. Maybe you've been saved for so long, but you don't necessarily believe that it's the absolute truth that God is. Maybe you need to turn back. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you're not believing that and you're just finding your own rhythm, finding your own truth. But the Bible says that if you turn to Him, He will run to you. If you seek Jesus, the truth... He will lead you and guide you to the truth. Amen? God is good. God is good. If you're saved, 
the Holy Spirit inside of you will lead you. And if there's anyone right now that has not had that opportunity to be saved, which I believe most of us would have, I want to give you an opportunity right now. And this confessing with your mouth, believing with your heart, it's not the bee's knees. It's just the beginning of an opening of your heart so that you can pursue the truth with all of your heart. Would you bow your heads right now and just make a personal reflection? Just ask yourself, have I compromised any of the truth? Have I been compromising? Have I turned away from him, afraid of facing the truth? And what if you haven't received Christ right now in your heart and you want to enter this truth? The Bible says all you need to do is confess with your mouth, believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that it is God himself, and you will be saved into an eternal kingdom. And your heart will be open. Your spirit will be reborn. So if you would confess with me right now, repeat after me, Dear Jesus, I believe with all of my heart that you are Christ, God himself. I confess you are Lord over my life. Forgive my past. Open my eyes to your truth. Teach me your ways. Teach me to love you, to love others. Amen. Let's just stand right now. We'll do something different this morning. And just keep your eyes closed. Just connect with the Lord. Raise your hands if that helps you connect. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word today, Lord. Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now. We welcome you into our hearts. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will lead us and you will guide us into the truth, Jesus. Lead us and guide us to Jesus, the truth, the absolute truth. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, have your way in us. Open our hearts right now, Lord, to receive the truth in every area of our lives. Give us the courage to face the truth, the absolute truth, in every area. Let us be a people, God, that seek after your truth, regardless of the pain regardless of what it even might feel like or the repercussions, God. Let us pursue truth because your truth is not pulverizing, it's loving. Your truth brings unity to those that love God, to those that believe God. We thank you, Father. We welcome you right now. Fill our hearts with your truth, Lord. Fill our hearts with your truth. Give us a desire to want to know you.
give us a desire to want to know your truth through your words. We thank you, Lord, that the, that the word of God would dwell richly in our hearts. The scripture in Colossians that says, let the word of Christ dwell richly in every heart. We surrender to you, Jesus, right now. We surrender to your truth. We surrender to your light. We embrace your truth. We depend on your truth. We trust on your truth. We trust in you, Jesus. Have your way, Lord. Thank you, Father God.